Greetings and welcome to Outlaw Gamer Radio, the official podcast of OutlawGamers.com. This is the show where we live to play and play to live. I'm Brent Adams, joined by a man who had already pledged to kill every Nazi on Earth before your little video light games made it cool. Mr. Lauren Popgarden! Lauren! That is a goddamn true story. Yes, indeed. I still do it, Brent. I don't know if you know this, but that's actually... I, on the I have a day job, and I have, I have a weekend job, but my night job is hunting Nazis. That's exactly right. And uh, that, we, we're actually in the process of developing a, uh, a, a television series called My Night Job. And it's just about it's colon just about Nazi going, hunter. That's right, my <laughs> night job colon Nazi hunter, going out and ridding the world of uh, of Nazi scum. And you think right. like, oh, I mean, how long could that last? You know, because there's so little Nazi scum in the world. Turns out, not so much. Turns out, not so much. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show, Brent. How are you, sir? Why, thank you, sir. I'm doing great, man. It's been a it's been a great week. It's been a productive week uh, in in terms of video games. And that's I'm what I like to hear. I'm excited to talk about that very much. Yes, indeed. As we uh, get know, into the bottom half of the show. Uh, before we get into it, Brent, I, I feel yeah. like we should do something that you and I have been meaning to do for 12 weeks, Brent. 12 episodes. You're, you're absolutely right, and, and, you and we're I, very remiss to do so. It's uh, true. Uh, you and I have been uh, talking about uh, thanking... We need to thank people. Need to thank people. <laughs> need to thank people. Thanking our listeners uh, for their contributions to the club treasury. Yeah, we, um, we wanted to uh, we wanted to talk about this since we transitioned over from EBA to OutlawGamers.com. Just haven't done it, and we suck, and we're sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know who doesn't suck? You guys. You guys don't suck. Um, so I, I, I think I guess obviously we're all here. We used to be over at Epic Battle Axe, and now we're here at Outlaw Gamers. And the reason that that is the case, the reason that our community didn't just fracture and go their separate ways when eba ended is because you guys made sure that it didn't happen and we want to thank each and every one of you who believed in this community enough to make sure that it kept going and uh, and so very generously donated your money many of you donated your time in other ways to to help us make the transition and to rise from the ashes as strong as ever uh, under the moniker of Outlaw Gamer Society, and we cannot thank you enough. Those of you who have been donating to the club treasury, uh, you know, little little amounts every month to to make sure that we can run the website, make sure that we can get the show out to you, and and all of that stuff. We just we cannot thank you enough. Uh, this community is driven by you guys, and we are going to keep rolling until you guys decide that the that the wheels are going to come off. And based on the enthusiasm and support that we've seen, not only from the monthly donors, but also from some really, really fantastic um, one-time, very generous one-time donations when we transitioned over to like see some of those people, uh, you know, putting down, putting down, you know, their dollars so that we could make this happen. It's just, it's incredibly gratifying and it's very humbling. And, And Lauren and I, uh, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts uh, that that you guys allow us to uh, to do this every week, and uh, it's just it's just the most amazing it's the most amazing thing ever. When people talk about toxic game communities and all that stuff, I I, I laugh to myself because we are on the far far opposite end of that scale, and I'm reminded every time of how amazing 
uh, the people who make up our community and our website are. So for myself, I'm, I'll let Lauren say his own piece, but for myself, thank you very, very much. I don't, I don't know that I can say it any better than that, Brent, other than just thank you to everybody. As you said, you know, Brent, I, I don't know if you know this, or we, we don't really talk about this I very often, it. but I mean, coming I up no this October will be five years of doing this podcast together, which is right. uh, 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 pretty incredible to me. I can't believe it's been that long. And it's so, so uh, thank you uh, to you for that, but it's so much because of our listeners and, and the support yep. of everybody. So we just, we've been meaning to say it for, for 12 weeks and we talk about it before almost every show, or actually I shouldn't say that we talk about it after we, talk we about record, after every show. we record every show and We're say, like, oh, oh, we forgot, we forgot to do it. it. We got to do it next week. Uh, so uh, just, just a thank you to everybody who's so generous uh, to contribute to the club treasury. We really, really appreciate it. And so with that, we yep. should probably give you some show to enjoy. And we have got a show this week. We have, what do we have, five items, six items available in the, uh, in the garage this week? Yeah, um, it's kind of five and a half. But, uh, kind it, of five it, and a half, but we got some goodies, Brent. So the, the first kind of, one. It's the kind go- of garage segment that's not going to be legal in New York City. <laughs> that's, um, that's how it rolls. So I want to know what you think of this first one, Brent. So this, is, this yeah. first one is the official Batman Arkham Knight gameplay video, Officer Down. It's about seven and a half minutes of video. Captured directly um, off a of PS4, we are assured. Captured directly off of a PS4. Uh, and Brent, I, uh, uh. I have to say, this is the first piece of uh, Arkham Knight video that I've seen in quite some time that has gotten me, gotten me more excited for the game uh, as opposed to being more concerned for the game. What did you think? Uh, major dittos to you. I, I couldn't have put that better myself. That's exactly how I feel. And I, I would say that I think specifically the reason that this has been the first piece of media in a long time that's gotten me excited is this is the first piece of media in a long while that's felt familiar to me. It's the first thing I've seen in a while that has reminded me of what is so great about the Arkham series games and has seemed familiar as the Arkham City games. Now, that's, I understand that they've shown gameplay before and, and, and you can argue that, you know, maybe I'm maybe that's hyperbole. Maybe I'm no, maybe, no, this is the first I'm one in a while that. that hasn't just shoved the Batmobile down your throat. But yeah, this is the first thing where it's like you're flying around Gotham, using the zip line, using the cape, you're breaking up uh, groups of bad guys, you are using the Batmobile, and and I think that maybe maybe that's one of the best things about this is it shows how the Batmobile integrates into the normal flow of gameplay from the Arkham games. I I think that's probably one of the better, better points of this, but you see a lot of familiar things such as interrogation, such as combat, and you do see how the Batmobile works into that. You get a little a little, you know, taste of the story and that and that's great and everything. But that is the thing that that you you just hit on that is so good about this is it feels familiar. It will wake up what is inside you that is excited about Arkham uh, the Arkham series because it it does bring that to life in an incredibly beautiful way because graphically it's fantastic. I mean, it looks really, really nice, and that's that's something to to get excited about too. I guess. Indeed, it is. It looks it looks absolutely gorgeous, and it is. Um, uh, you, you know, Brent, I I knew that this point was going to come. I mean, I, I had no sort of misgivings that I have been concerned about the videos we've been seeing. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I I love the Batman Arkham games. I even loved Arkham Origins, which you know a lot of people in spite were disappointed of itself. in. Which a lot of people were disappointed in. I thought it was a great game. I just love the universe and the fun. game. The game design is so brilliant that even a sort of a maybe not quite as good version of it is still pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, Rocksteady is back on the cases, of course, for for Arkham Knight and. Um, 
it, 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 it was Batman in all its glory, and it looked like Rocksteady, except that it kind of had the the sort of uh, artistic tenor of of um, what? Uh, who did the last game? I forgot who did the last game already. It was it was it was WB Montreal. Warner Brothers Montreal did uh, Arkham Origins. Okay, so but it's got sort of that artistic tenor of of. Um, Arkham City, it's a little darker looking, and um, and you're right. It showed how the, the the Batmobile integrates seamlessly. It looked fantastic, and it, it in in seven minutes, I am as excited for this game as I was, you know, a year ago when it was supposed to come out. So um, simultaneously, what do, are, it doesn't, we, what do you think the chances are it gets delayed again? Yeah, did we talk about this? It, it recently got delayed from June 6th out to June 23rd. Yeah, um, I would be surprised at this point if they delayed it by a couple weeks. I, I do. I would be surprised at this point if it got delayed again. Honestly, I think it's probably going to come out at the end of June. Uh, there's a lot of space around them uh, at that time, and so uh, I am. I'm just super excited for it again. I am too. I am too. No, uh, no doubt about that. And and I'm happy. I'm happy to be excited about it. Seeing as how perhaps it's actually on track to come out, and and I can allow myself to be excited in anticipation of playing it, and then actually get to play it as opposed to that fiasco that happened last time. Indeed. Um, all right, Brent. So next up is something I'm 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 pretty excited about as well. I can um, imagine, which I was completely and totally unaware of. I had no idea uh, that Wolfenstein was getting DLC. In this uh, case, uh, a, a pretty uh, what looks to be a pretty freaking awesome uh, DLC release. It, it does. Wolfenstein: The Old Blood. The catch line. The catch. The the tagline for the for the DLC is before there was the new order, there was the old blood. Um, and I, that's all I know about it. I haven't done a ton of research on it. I have no idea what they're saying in terms of length. I do know it's twenty bucks. Uh, it comes out May uh, May seventh. I want to say something like that. Early May. Um, I uh, didn't know anything about this. I'm super excited and will absolutely be picking it up. I actually started playing Wolfenstein again um, recently, started the game over, uh, and it's just, I mean, it is just so abs- so good. Did you, Did you? I can't remember, did you finish Wolfenstein? I didn't play uh, The New Order, no. I, I haven't. Oh, you I haven't played it? I haven't even started it. Uh, but The Old Blood looks really cool. I, I mean, it in a sense, going back to class, to Castle Wolfenstein, it invokes, uh, of course, you know the, the the roots of the of the Wolfenstein series. I think it's also interesting to note that this is coming out, as you said, May fifth for twenty dollars. But you can buy through it and play it without owning a copy of the New Order. So, oh, it's a standalone expansion. I didn't realize that. Similar yeah. to the way uh, um, Blood Dragon, Blood Dragon did it as as well as Infamous Two. Right. So I am. I, am, I mean, Infamous Second Son. Excuse me. I'm a little bit more intrigued by this, given the fact that I don't have to own the new order in order uh, <laughs> in order okay. to play it. Okay, so, yeah. uh, but anyway, the fact that I don't have to have the new order to play it. Right, this can give you a way to jump in for five, six hours, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you know, hop into it. But anyway, uh, I'm I'm curious to uh, I'm curious to know more and uh, and see more. But uh, based on what we saw right here. Ah, it looks pretty cool. I encourage you to check it out, man. I absolutely loved it. I was, you know, Brent and I, Brent and I were talking about off air, uh, sort of doing a, a we both kind of want to do a postmortem and we're talking about what to do it. I think, I think, you know, there's a good chance we'll do it for Batman. Um, and, sure. uh, you know, th- this is, uh, this is, this is a great game, Brent. I highly encourage you to check out the old blood and, and I think it might convince you to get the new order. If, if it's anything like, you know, what I like so much about the new order is that it plays, 
very much like the old school first person shooters, uh, only um, uh, w- with a nice new sheen and new coat on it. And the weaponry feels great. And it, yeah. it's just a fantastic, uh, it's a fantastic game that walks that line between throwback and update uh, better than, than almost any other game I've seen. I'm, I'm happy for this thing to be my gateway drug, if that's how it works out. Absolutely. All right. Speaking of drugs, um, <laughs> next up on our list is... Wait, I don't I, understand that, but okay. Uh, well, it, <laughs> now I don't want to... The only thing we have that's like Xbox specific, and now I'm going to sort of associate it with drug use, but Halo 5 Guardians. That makes it cooler, though. Uh, Halo 5 Guardians Spartan Lock ad was released recently as well as uh the companion website hunt the truth which is sort of a halo 5's uh marketing um it's their hashtag it's a well it's an actual website and it's sort of their it's their marketing you can go and listen to so it's kind of like you know far cry 4 had a had a journalist who was supposedly traveling in kirat and doing blog entries this Mm -hmm. one is a is a uh a journalist who's doing a story on master chief and so they're releasing audio podcasts and they released a i think the first episode was about 12 minutes long it's really interesting but so uh, this this uh, trailer, the Spartan Lock trailer, came out for Halo Five Guardians, and I gotta say, man, I, I you know as, as much as I've not loved any single single Halo game, I love the universe, and I'm so curious about uh, you know, and this is actually pertains to what we were talking about last week with Hideo Kojima leaving Konami and and what people thought about the the future of the franchise of Metal Gear Solid, and some people were excited to just see somebody else's take on the series. And, and uh, you know, I love the Halo universe. I've never connected completely with the games, but I love the lore. And so I'm really curious to see what 343 Industries does uh, with Halo. And, and, and I thought this ad looked very cool. Uh, I don't care. Just don't care. I, I, I don't. I'm, just, I'm not invested in the Halo mythology, which is what this ad really plays upon. The... You know, just turning things upside down with uh, with what's going on with with Master Chief and and all of that stuff. And I, I think that if you I think if you care about that, I think it's probably a, a great idea. It's, it's a great idea to reinvigorate interest and put a a really different spin on things. I I'm not calling it out as being low quality or anything else to the, of the sort, but it's just that since I'm not invested in Halo as a franchise, I don't really care about the mythology. I have to say that this just this had no impact on me whatsoever. It'd be like it'd be like walking through the room as some show that's run for seven seasons is having its its series finale. It's like the last four minutes that this TV show will ever say anything new. And you walk through the room and you've never watched the show, and so what could be happening on screen is incredibly dramatic and and moving and all that, and you just don't care because you have no investment in it. And that's how I feel about this. So you didn't care when you found out that Walter White was actually Luke Skywalker's brother? No, no. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, so uh, this is, um, as I said, I, I find this interesting. I know that there's a lot of Xbox fans out there that are very excited about what's coming with the Halo franchise and maybe cautiously optimistically. So uh, certainly, you know, I don't think any single game would ever convince me uh, to get a console. Um, but uh, this is this is an interesting one, and, and I'm hopeful that maybe someday they'll bring it to PC. Although, of course, I'm very doubtful that that would occur. But for our Xbox fans out there, uh, I think you should definitely check this out. Now, for our PlayStation fans, Brent, <laughs> I was going to say on the other side, 
on the other side, uh, PlayStation released a new update, update 2.5, uh, mm-hmm. recently on March 26th, and it included something that they had actually, um, they, they had actually implemented with the PlayStation Vita, and it's such a brilliant, brilliant mechanism. And, uh, and I think, uh, Xbox is gonna be want to do this as well, and that is their suspend and resume function. Yeah. Where if you're in a game, uh, and you press and hold the PlayStation button and, and go into rest mode, it will actually suspend your game state. And I've done this. I've been doing this with Bloodborne, and it works just as it used to on the PlayStation Vita. Yep. Um, so so you, uh, you go into rest mode. When you resume, when you turn on the, the PlayStation next time, and then you select your, you know, your profile if, uh, to, to get into it, and it will take you directly to the game exactly where you were, um, you don't need to pause the game when you do this. You just you okay. literally just hit the PlayStation button and choose enter rest mode, press and hold the PlayStation button, uh, and it takes you right back. And it's absolutely brilliant. And I'm it's such such a great addition, dude. And I can't believe that everybody's not doing it. PC manufacturer, like I mean, it, it's Everybody. just brilliant. Yeah, I, I don't is. know what it takes technically, but I, as as you may or may not recall, back when we were doing our reaction show to the PlayStation Four announcement event, this is one of the features that they talked about having on the PlayStation. They described this ability to to have things suspended and for your PlayStation to, for all intents and purposes, power down. It's in a low-power rest mode. But to essentially power off your PlayStation, the next time you come back, you hit the button, it comes up, and you're right back in your game where you left off. And and I told you, I said, I will use that all the time. That That will maybe be the most useful thing that happens in this console generation because as I famously... Yep. Uh, pointed out, you know, I have there's games I've got on PlayStation Three where I've played the game for 300 hours, and it's just because I don't, I didn't, I never turned off my PlayStation. I'd pause the game, I'd turn off the TV, and just walk away, and just let the PlayStation run for four days before I came back and started playing again uh, while I was paused in game because I just it, it just annoyed me enough to have to power up and go back through, through the process of continuing the game and everything. And I've been using this ever since it debuted in Shadow of Mordor, and it's fantastic. It's every bit as as useful and awesome as we thought that it would be. And it's a great addition. I would love to see it become ubiquitous, uh, as you just pointed out. I'll second that. I'll agree with you. Rather than just act like I came up with that also myself. (laughs) I'll agree with Lauren. Kudos to uh, to Sony for doing this. It's really a brilliant yeah. addition, and I think that anybody that doesn't do it now is is uh, is, is a little bit behind. Really, um, all right, he's not lame. <laughs> uh, the last item or items in the garage, yep. pertain to your friend and mine, Mr. Ernie Klein. Mr. Ernie Klein, friend of the show, friend of all. Outlaw gamers everywhere. Yeah. Two, Brent, two big pieces of news uh, regarding Ernie Klein this last week. I'll take the first one. Go ahead. Uh, and if you guys click on the link in the show notes, you'll see the tweet in which Ernie actually tweeted this out. It's pretty funny. Uh, and that was the announcement that none other than Steven, I'm not sure if it's Steven Spielberg or Steven Spielbergo. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure which one it is. From The Simpsons. Steven Spielberg will be directing Ready Player One. Holy shit. Just let, <laughs> let let that sink in for a second. That's what Ernie said on Twitter, basically. That's pretty fucking amazing right there. I mean, considering the fact... Okay, number one, he's... I, I think he's the most recognizable filmmaker, certainly of our generation. Um, you know, people can argue about, you know, his, you know, how good he is or whatever. I don't really care. But the point is that he is the highest profile director that I that I am aware of. I mean, you know, prior to him, I don't know, maybe somebody like Stanley Kubrick or something. But um, 
And not only that, not only is he this amazing, high-profile, uh, obviously talented uh, director, but so much of what is in Ready Player One uh, has Spielberg's had a hand on, and now he's going to be doing the the freaking movie. It's just incredible, man. Yeah, he. I mean, just Google Steven Spielberg movies, and you'll be astounded, uh, like like I am. Some of the most amazing, amazing movies. Uh, you know, some of the greatest movies of all time. Goonies. Of course, may, maybe the greatest movie of all he time. He produced that. That was that was Richard Donner directing. Uh, that's true. Um, Empire of the Sun is a brilliant film. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, Indiana Jones, E.T., Schindler's List. You know, my favorite is still Jaws. I I, I think pound for pound, Jaws is still Jaws. The best Jaws. Thing I feel like I've did. heard of that. Jaws. What's it about? What is it about? Um, <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you something else about this. This is a little bit more speculative, but. As we talked about with Ernie the last time he was on the show, obviously there's a huge licensing problem to getting Ready Player One made because it utilizes all these properties that belong to other film studios. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got to tell you that I feel as though... I'm not not telling you that everything that's in the novel is going to be there in the film. I I think there's probably things that are going to fall by the wayside, but I have to say that with somebody like Spielberg, who has as much weight to throw around as he does, and somebody who has worked at every studio in town, I have to say that if Spielberg thinks it's important to get those things in the movie, I feel like he has the gravitas and the connections to to make it happen. I feel like the film could be materially better with him directing uh, than it might be with anybody else, because I feel like he can get some of those deals made and and suddenly something you know doing something like okay well i'm going to go over to disney and i'm going to get them on board so we can bring in disney properties and star wars and marvel stuff and 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 that that'll get a, that'll infuse a lot of of things into uh in, into what we already have you know i feel like he could potentially make that happen so uh that that could be false hope on my part but that's just something that I, i've also been thinking about since this news broke yeah, that makes perfect sense, man. I, I I didn't even think about that, but you're right. You make a very good point. So that's uh, obviously that's that's huge news. Uh, we're super excited, and I cannot wait uh, to see this movie come to fruition. Me either. And we have other news, Brent, uh, for Ernie Klein. That's right. If you're an Ernie Klein from fan, Ernie Klein. it's a good time to be one because uh, Ernie's got a new book coming out. When soon? How soon? Very soon. July fourteenth is currently. The, uh, the listed release date for Ernie's new novel, Armada, which is an interesting premise that also owes a little bit of something to video game culture. Uh, it's available for pre-order right now through Amazon and I imagine some other places as well, but I know you can get it, uh, I know you can get it through Amazon. Uh, Kindle edition, hardcover, and an audio CD. I desperately want to know who's going to be uh, doing the, uh, the, audio, I know. the audio version yep. of the book. Here's a brief synopsis. Uh, of Armada, quote, it's just another day of high school for Zach Lightman. He's daydreaming through another boring math class with just one more month to go, to go until graduation and freedom. Sounds a little familiar. If he can make it that long with getting suspended again, then he glances out his classroom window and spots a flying saucer. At first, the, Zach thinks he's going crazy. A minute later, he's sure of it because the UFO he's staring at is straight out of the video games he plays every night. A hugely popular online flight simulator called Armada in which gamers just happen to be protecting the Earth 
from alien invaders. But what Zach's seeing all too, is all too real, and his skills as well as those of millions of gamers across the world are going to be needed to save the Earth from what's about to befall it. Sounds a little Last Starfighter. Sounds a little Last Starfighter, but yeah, which is th- a great movie. But they, you know, there's a little bit of a twist. There's a little bit. There's a little bit of a twist, almost to acknowledge that. And the last paragraph says, yet even as he and his new comrades scramble to prepare for the alien onslaught, Zach can't help thinking of all the science fiction books, TV shows, and movies he grew up reading and watching, and wonder, doesn't something about this scenario seem a little too familiar? So I suspect that uh, I suspect the story's not going to be as straightforward as, as it might seem there. There's going to be some twists and turns and hooks. Well, cer- certainly Ernie is, is uh, it's a conscious choice to to align with uh, the last starfighter and so i'm very curious to see how what what his wink or nod is to that yep i can't wait to find out more i've already pre-ordered the book uh and i'm i'm very eager to find out who's going to be doing the audiobook because obviously the ready player one's a fantastic book don't get me wrong I, i i've read it and i've listened to it a number of times and it's enjoyable no matter what but i have to say that in my heart of hearts i like listening to it more than i like reading it because it's so fun to uh, to listen to real Will Wheaton's win- rendition of it. Yep, I agree a hundred percent. And I, I, I'm not. I won't be. I won't be pre-ordering the book until uh, I, I will m- most likely get the audio book, which is not available for pre-order. Um, alas, it, alas, yes. So uh, uh, yes, but I'm very very excited about that. So just a short time away. So congratulations to Ernie on both of those things. Uh, you know, if we're lucky, maybe we'll get him back on the show and, and talk to him a little bit about it. But we'll see. Um, and until then, we'll just have to wait like everybody else. I was going to say something else that we could do in the meantime, but I'm not going to now. Probably a good idea. All right, guys, we have moved out of the garage and into the clubhouse. It is time to crack open some cold ones and sit down and talk for a little while about our subject this week. Uh, before we do, Brent, you want to review the poll from last week? I would love to. Uh, we were talking, of course, about the news that Hideo Kojima is leaving Konami and, and where that leaves fans of Kojima, fans of Metal Gear. We asked you guys, what's your take on Hideo Kojima leaving Konami? Here's how it shook loose. Last place, 22%. You said, I'm not a big fan of his myself, but I think this could be great for MGS. Second place, 28% of the vote. You said, I'm excited for both his next project and a new start for Metal Gear Solid, but the majority opinion with 51% was, I'm excited for whatever he does next, but a Metal Gear without him, not so much. So, uh, the the Outlaw Gamer listening audience believes that uh, whatever is great about Metal Gear has been, uh, has been Hideo Kojima's involvement. Skeptical is the vibe I'm getting. Skeptical about whether or not his absence will allow the series to continue. Indeed, I you know I will be curious, Brent, to see um, what the series does. I won't, you know, I, I'll try not to prejudge, but uh, understandable that people would be skeptical. So, sure, uh, let's dive into this week's topic, Brent. This came from one of our readers or listeners. Uh, they actually posted a link to the IGN might, article. Listen, it might be one of those uh, listeners who can also read. Unlike, <laughs> unlike the hosts of this show, I understand that our listening audience is actually okay with reading. Uh, that's uh, that, that's true. I'm sorry. I don't know. I I I, I was uh, projecting my own inadequacies. Um, 
<laughs> uh, you and me both. So one of our listeners posted a link to the IGN article about this subject. I yeah. did a little research, and I, I didn't think that the IGN article was robust enough, and I went to the source article, which was even surprisingly less robust, considering it came directly from the BBC. Uh, and ultimately, I ended up on the Guardian's website, and uh, they had a little bit more information, a little bit more of a conversation about the topic. Uh, but I thought it was interesting, Brent. It kind of relates to some things we've talked about before. Um, but I, I felt like this went to another level, and, and after reading it, uh, I, I had some thoughts on it. So the, the article is titled, Head Teachers Threatened to Contact Police Over Children Playing 18-Rated Games. Indeed. Uh, so basically, in Cheshire, which is uh, somewhere in the kingdom that is... Of the <laughs> somewhere in the kingdom that is united. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, uh, somewhere in the United Kingdom. I'm not sure where, to be honest. Uh, uh, my, my, uh, my UK geography is not so good. But... Uh, uh, there's a school system. I, I, I kind of want to call it a school system. I'm not really clear on what it is, Brent. And I looked up. It's called Nantwich Education Partnership. Uh, it's a group of 15 primary schools and one. It's actually, I think, 14 primary schools and two secondary schools okay. uh, in Cheshire. I'm not. I'm not 100% sure though if it's actually a school system. Uh, I, if you go to their website, it's kind of an odd website, and it looks like schools can opt in to the uh, Nantwich. Uh, education partnership. So I'm not Couldn't really they have clear. Found a better name. I mean, come uh, the on. The Nantwich. Nantwich uh, sounds. Uh, it's a little. Funky. I'm not really clear. Not really clear on what that company does or what it is. But these these there's 16 schools that are, are affiliated with Nantwich, and um, and basically they sent out a letter to parents saying that if we find out your kids are playing. 18 plus games, and they cited specifically Grand Theft Auto and Call of Duty as examples, uh, that they were going to report them to the police and that they might face potential neglect charges. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, so he, he, here's. <laughs> now, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Brent, and I'm going to guess that you're sort of philosophically opposed to this. In every way you can imagine, I am opposed to this. Uh, Understandable. So as I would imagine, all of our listeners probably are. But what I thought was interesting, Brent, about this, other than number one, that it it is a step further than I've seen um, most sort of entities go at this point, uh, is also the fact sort of of where it came from. And this is why I thought I linked to the Guardian, um, the Guardian's article, and I actually wish that the journalism still existed and somebody did a little, a little bit more. Uh, there's a little bit more information. I, I really would have liked somebody to have delved into sort of what Nantwich Education Partnership is, who, 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 uh, what their like sort of who their founders are and what their goal is, and and what it means to part to be part of the Nantwich Education Partnership as opposed to maybe a whether it's public or private. None of the articles I found on this from major publications, BBC, uh, The Guardian, sort like really delved into to the company itself or what it, or system itself, but. Yeah. Um, what I did think was interesting, though, uh, and, and at least The Guardian talked about this a little bit, was sort of wh- part of why they might be doing this and this culture uh, that's been created around um, in, uh, in England uh, lately about, I, I guess, the prime minister announced recently that um, – that people in positions of responsibility, such as teachers, firefighters, priests, uh, police officers, who don't report um, neglect or abuse, are subject to a five thousand dollar fine. Um, and so, uh, in probably- some of the, go ahead. What's that? Go ahead. No. In some of the back and forth in this article, you know, there's there's some talk about like trying sort of understanding where this is coming from in the context of um, being sure. 
that these people are sort of covering their own asses. You know what I mean? And and yeah. uh, it did it did get me thinking about it's the idea of, of like, not a way to create like a culture of fear and mistrust of you know government and society. Definitely no, no, not, no. I agree. Definitely not, not going to do that. Right. Um, and they talk about that in this article. Um, although I did think it was interesting, at, you know, at, you know, at what point? So if you knew, for example, if you were a teacher um, and, and you knew that, that a student, that somebody's parents were showing them porno, uh-huh. um, I, I mean, is there, is there any point at which you are sort of beholden to report that to somebody? There's a difference between, uh, and, and I don't know, I don't know how, how the, the law works in the United Kingdom. Well, not so, very well, obviously, which is why we broke away. <laughs> so so there, there's, a, there's a legal I'm question. Kidding. There's a legal question that, that, that is implied there that may not be analogous to the situation with video games. But in the United States, it is illegal for an adult to show pornography to a minor. So in, in, in the oh, example that, in the I, example actually, you I just made... That. That Which would be, changes my plans for the weekend. That would be a crime. Yeah, it, it, it ought to, believe me. Uh, that would be a crime. And so, yes, you, you may very well have a legal obligation at that point uh, to do something about it. However, uh, a person who's 16 playing Call of Duty is not a crime. And so there's Certainly, they do say in the article, Brent, that in the UK, it is illegal for uh, people under the age of 18 to buy those games, but it's yes. not illegal for them to play them. Correct. So if this were, if, if, if the thrust of this article were that these kids were playing, uh, these, these kids were playing underage games and, you know, we're going after the retailers who, who sold them the games, then fr- from a legal perspective, as, as still overreaching as it may be, as, as nanny state as it may be within within the law they may they may have ground to stand on but just as you long for the days of uh, of journalism i long for the days of critical thinking and my first question in all of this is <laughs> why is that a problem if 16 year olds are playing games for 18 year olds why is it a problem and it's all based on it all comes back to our old friend Violent video games are bad. And the, the, the tide is finally beginning to shift on that. People are finally beginning to recognize that scientific studies that have been made into this, this question are resoundingly coming to the conclusion that, no, violent video games are not the huge, scary problem that politicians and opportunists in the 90s made them out to be. So if we as... If we as a culture, if, as a civilization, are waking up to that fact, then I don't understand what the big deal here is. If we know that violent video games don't lead to kids being violent, and we know that, then why is this an issue? Yeah, you know, so so first of all, you know, I think of it more in terms of if it changes anything, and it doesn't, but, but not 16-year-olds playing Call of Duty, but say 9-year-olds or 10-year-olds. Um, okay. That, that, that's yeah, fine. I mean, that's- they're talking about everybody in their school system, but my guess is they're focused. I mean, you know, an overwhelming 85% of their schools are yeah. primary schools. So they're 12 and below. You know, one of the first things that came to my mind was, so are, are you, are you likewise going to be, uh, notifying the, po- it's one thing to notify the parents if they want to yeah. notify the parents. If the concern is, 
we think that your children are accessing video games, say at their friends' houses, that you may not want them to. So we're going to notify you, and you can do with that information what you want, right? That's right. I don't think that's it's a little odd, but it's not totally unreasonable. Um, there's some basis in reality there, where, but I think the idea of notifying the police uh, is is uh, laughable. It's a and dick move. It's a dick the f- move. <laughs> the first thing I thought of was like, so will you sign? Will you also be notifying the police if you find out that a nine year old is watching an R rated movie? Because essentially, this is the same thing, right? R-rated yeah. movies, you're not allowed to go. Age inappropriate. If you're under the age of 17, but you, but you, if your parents take you, you can go kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I just thought it was really interesting. But what also surprised me, Brent, is that I was shocked uh, at what I didn't see in any of these articles, which is there, I, I saw no, represent, no legal representative of um, whatever the equivalent is of their DA's office or, um, or from the police force coming out and saying, uh, we won't be doing anything about this. This is ridiculous. They have they have no legal leg to stand on here, and we won't be doing anything about this. And I was a little sort of shocked not to see that in these stories. Do you think that this is that this is a perhaps a preemptive reactionary sort of response uh, to to a situation that hasn't happened yet, but that perhaps this uh, this school or this educational partnership feels that could happen. Where somebody comes along and says, "Well, you guys have a responsibility." You know, maybe this is them responding to uh, the thing that you just talked about uh, with their prime minister David Cameron saying that you know people people in positions of responsibility can be brought up on charges. Do you think that this is a direct reaction to that? Uh, do you think that this is them basically just trying to cover their own ass? I you know I, I don't know I mean I I I have to think so or or maybe it's an opportunistic uh, sort of attempt at at taking that and turning it into some sort of uh, you know in, in order to manifest some dogma that the people right. who run this organization we, we have an agenda and and here's the perfect opportunity to jump on and and get get our agenda out there right with with the advent of what David Cameron said I, I I'm not sure Brent it, it, but it is so. It's so laughable. So laughable. I mean, it's just so ridiculous that that's that's like <laughs> that's like um, <laughs> I, I often uh, sometimes I've often been at work and, and people will come in sometimes in a hospital uh, when I when I was working in a hospital and people would come in and and uh, we, we you know, they would come into the emergency room and and we would be, um, you know, we'd be caring for someone who had a heart attack and they and they have a hurt ankle. And, and so they, they have to wait and they will literally quite literally call 911. Uh, and try and call an ambulance or something because they don't feel they're getting the attention they need. I've I've heard um, this. And nine one one, you know, calls us right. They they, they sort of says, they, hey, they, they don't. The guy over right. in bed four B. <laughs> that's exactly right. And he's that's exactly right. Uh, and that's kind of like what I feel like this is. Like we're going to call the police. Uh, it's just it's so laughable that I that I almost couldn't believe that it was here, and and I'm a little surprised at sort of the lack of official reaction to it. Given that it's I mean it's in you know major publications, it's not like it's a story that's buried. It is in yeah. um, you know major publications. So and, I, and perhaps I, I, you know there'll be some more reaction to it uh, as the week goes on. And and maybe there will. I, you know I'll be looking forward to see if there is. I just I thought this was an interesting story that was over the line oh, and. It is. Uh, and uh, I, 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 I thought I thought it was something you might support, so I thought I would bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me let me tell you, and this will this will be kind of my final thought on. It, but let me just tell you the, the problem that I kind of have with this. The thing about this that bugs me is the fact that I can see 
I can I can grant you a lot of things. I can grant you, okay, this educational partnership, they're concerned. Uh, you know, they're concerned about violent video games, and of course they're educators. So who could possibly expect them to know anything about where the current scientific research oh wait, no, that doesn't make sense. Anyway, okay, so skipping that point though, I'll grant you that the intentions may be sincere. But the question that I have is if your intent is to actually help the situation, then I don't understand why you chose to make this a confrontation. Because it seems to me that being educators, you would understand that threats and coercion uh, don't particularly work well uh, in education. And so why not, as an example, if you have a child or a group of children that are playing these games, I don't understand why you don't call the parents in for a meeting and you show them video footage like, okay, look, your kids are playing this game, you know, with this guy's head exploding after he gets hit by an RPG. Why not bring the parents in, show them the games and voice your concerns? Say, listen, we are concerned about where this is going. And we think if you guys are buying these games for your kids, that could be that could be a really bad thing. Uh, We need to work together on this as opposed to trying to bring the parents into their way of thinking and, and say, listen, we, we hope that you share our concerns about this and we hope that you want to do something about it uh, in conjunction with us, as opposed to doing that at the onset, they made the parents the adversary. And so now people are just going to dig in and be defensive and fight against this no matter what. And so I, it's just, it's just inconceivable to me that anybody sat around, discussed this and said, yes, this is a good strategy that will that will help us uh, accomplish our goals and in no way is going to create a bunch of unnecessary infighting between educators and parents or, or, you know, parents and, and uh, social services or the police or whatever. It's not going to create a whole bunch of other problems that are going to draw attention away from this. That won't happen at all. So it, it just seems so short sighted to me uh, what they're doing here. Indeed. And, and let me say how much I appreciate the fact that your take on this matches essentially that of Vizzini from The Princess Bride. <laughs> Always, my friend. Always. Inconceivable. And never going against a Sicilian when death is on the line! <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We're going to hit the road and talk about some of the games we've been playing this week. And I'm going to go ahead and drop a massive spoiler on the table. No Star Wars Commander this time. Uh, I'm not sure people consider that a spoiler so much as a gift. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking asshole. What are you You son of a... uh, Now you don't even care, do you? No. I insulted your beloved game. Listen, that assumes that statement assumes that I cared before you At insulted one point. my game. Uh, well, look, uh, so I played a couple of games this week, and no, it was not The Last of Us, which I told you I was playing two weeks ago and surprised you. And no, it was not The Order 1886, which I told you I was playing last week and surprised you. Oh, but it's just... It- it does include. Look, I got I, I got Bloodborne. Bloodborne had a, has a ninety three on Metacritic. Everybody was raving about it. I was at Best Buy and I said to myself, "Who are you kidding? Like you're not like, you're going to buy it in three weeks. You might as well just get it now." So I bought it. Um and uh so here's the deal. I'm about I don't know probably ten hours, maybe twelve hours into the game, and I'm not sure I know how to play it yet. <laughs> Well, Lauren, let me tell you, that might be a problem. 
Uh, did you, I can't? You played the Dark Souls games, did you not? No, not uh, not really. You didn't play Dark Souls or Demon Souls? No. Uh, okay, so Bloodborne is, for all intents and purposes, and, and some people are going to sort of uh, crap their pants when I say this, uh, but I will Hold explain. On, let me get but, a towel ready. Bloodborne is, for all intents and purposes, a carbon copy of those games. Okay. Um, it is, um, and, I, and I say for all intents and purposes because it, it is not exactly the same. Uh-huh. Um, there are differences in terms of the flow of the combat. Uh, there are differences in some of the ways that uh, some of the m- mechanics are set up. But uh, uh, for, so, for the uninitiated, for those who are, are not hardcore demons or Dark Souls players, you probably wouldn't know that. Um, because those differences are subtle enough, the game looks startlingly like Demon Souls and Dragon and uh, um, Dark, Souls Dark Souls in in the in the UI in the um, art direction. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the things, one of the issues I have with the game is it doesn't seem like a visual improvement to me over the last two games, right. um, which is surprising. And it's not. It, it furthermore, it, it's really not a performance improvement. This game has some real frame rate issues. Um, th- that are not a good thing in a game like this. Um, uh, so, so uh, where Dark Souls and Demon Souls were both visually stunning, uh, so is Bloodborne, but it doesn't look like the graphics are updated that much to me. There's some reflection on, on some of the street surfaces, but it looks startlingly similar, albeit, um, you know, certainly like a, a, a bit of a different aesthetic in terms of uh, it's got more of a sort of sleepy hollow Victorian feel to it, kind of. Yeah. Um, um, so, and it plays very similarly. I mean, the, the overwhelming mechanics in the game, uh, are, are essentially the same. I mean, it, it's, 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 um, permadeath frustratingly difficult. All that stuff. Yeah. Permadeath in the context of, uh, permadeath. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but it, it is very much like those games. It is. And given that, I, I have to say at this point, I'm surprised at the amount of affection that it's received. Um, so, uh, so the game, uh, is just like Demon Souls or Dark Souls, drops you into the game and, and, and doesn't tell you much about how to play it. There's, uh, there are some hints that it gives you, but certainly I had to go to the internet several times in the beginning to, to look up how mechanics work. Uh, I played enough of Demon Souls and Dark Souls just to know to do that. Yeah. Uh, just just to go and look something up on the internet and not not like wait to try and suss it out too much in terms of, of some of the basic mechanics at the beginning. Um, so I, I told you I'm not sure I know how to play it yet, and I was kind of half kidding. I, I'm also I'm really genuinely not sure if I like the game or not. Um, after after twelve hours. Yeah, I mean, I really, so, I mean, I essentially have gotten through, for those that are playing it, I've gotten through uh, Yarnum and I'm in the uh, cathedral something or other. I just, I just beat the sort of second boss, and I'm in the cathedral, I can't remember what it's called now, um, which is not that far into the game at all. Uh, I mean, I played, there, there is a huge chunk of the game that I probably spent five hours replaying the same section over and over and over and over. Um, I'm not sure, Brent, if I like the game at this point or if I'm obsessed with it. Really, I, I, I can't. I can't tell. Um, and it's some of the mechanics. <laughs> it's a thin line. <laughs> some of the mechanics are just insanely frustrating. Um, so permadeath. What permadeath means in this game is is so you collect what they call blood echoes, which is essentially think of it as currency, right? Um, think of it as 
dollars or whatever, and you collect these this this currency, and you could use that currency to either buy equipment and upgrades or, or consumables like health potions, or you can use that currency uh, to upgrade your statistics, your RPG, you know, to make your strength better, your endurance, or whatever. Um, when you uh, play through uh, um, Bloodborne, uh, when you get killed, you lose all your blood echoes. You lose, you drop all your money, okay. right? Uh, and you can, you have one chance to get back to that money. Uh, and if you can get back to that money before you die again, you pick it up again. And it's now yours again. And if you get killed, you drop it. Doesn't this sound um, like it would be a great premise for an American game show or something where, you know, something that, you know, would involve people and dropping money and then, I don't know, bludgeoning instruments. <laughs> yes, I, I like it. Um, one big difference between Bloodborne and the Demon's Dark Souls series is that uh, previously you dropped your, your money, let's just call it, and uh, you would go back to that place and it'd be sitting on the ground. Now, uh, AI characters wander around and they will actually pick it up. So you can go back to where you dropped it you gotta and it won't them, be you there. Money back. Correct. And you got to find the one you killed. Also, uh, now, sounded like a great game show premise. The, uh, <laughs> Look, I'm just going to be making notes on this, okay? Uh, the caveat is that uh, you know it doesn't sound like too big of a deal, except it can take you 20, 25, 30 minutes to get back to where you were, depending on where you were, and uh, you hi- run the risk of dying you know, <laughs> all the way along. And so yeah. uh, there's very, very, very few checkpoints in this game. I mean, checkpoints can be you know, an hour apart or whatever. Uh, literally, I'm not, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. And so I got you. it can be very frustrating. Um, you know, you can imagine when you're 45, 50 minutes into that hour and then you get killed. Um, what's even more frustrating than that is when you get killed for a reason uh, that isn't, be- isn't your fault in the context of um, either a glitch in the game. A couple times I've gotten stuck in places you shouldn't get stuck Ooh. and I had to commit suicide and Ooh. what cost me. You know, tons of uh, that, uh, of money. That's not cool. Um, that's not of blood cool. echoes, or uh, because of frame rate issues, can be super, super frustrating. Um, so, uh, you know, the game. So the game is segmented. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but there's so there's these checkpoints. But so far as I can tell, at this point, the only time I have encountered new checkpoints, like you have to like illuminate the new checkpoint, mm. is um, after a boss battle. Okay, well, that makes sense. Uh, which, which is super frustrating because boss battles, like, there's no way you're winning a boss battle the first time around. There's just no way. Well, I mean, that is the... Uh, don't you think, though, that, that that is kind of like the, the nature of the... And having not played the series, uh, you know, maybe... The, I'm, were you going to say the I'm beast, talking, by the way? Maybe I'm talking out of turn, but... Yeah, I, I mean, isn't, isn't that kind of the, the whole point of, of these games is, you know, a return to kind of, you know, classic levels of, of video game difficulty and not getting a checkpoint right before a boss fight and all that. I mean, isn't that kind of the point? It, it is. Uh, I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I mean, I remember feeling this way about Demon Souls uh, and then eventually learning to love it. Um, one, you know, and, and like I said, I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just describing it at this point. Um, yeah. it, this is what I'm saying can be frustrating, but it's also, conversely, what is so rewarding about it. Um, after about 10 or 12 hours, I'm starting to understand the game much better, and I'm playing it differently uh, from the outset. I'm being smarter about it. It took me several hours into the game to realize, don't let yourself get to the point of having so much money that you would be really pissed off if you died. At that point, go back to the beginning, spend that money on upgrading your stuff or yourself. So if you do die, you're not going to lose your, yeah. your shit because... 
you just lost something you've you know I like worked that. on yeah. for an hour. I, I, I like the idea of you know turn the difficulty into into an excuse to just play differently. You know, change your strategy in order to compensate. I, I, I like that approach. Yeah, it, it's As interesting. I've only scratched about this. it like you were a second ago. I've only scratched the surface um, uh, to this game, and so there's so many more mechanics that I, you know, I just discovered blood gems, and there's I can see all sorts of Did mechanics. You say blood in gems, the, gems, gems. Gotcha, um, gems. Because I was like, dude, blood gems is the name for this fucking game show right here. That's my. <laughs> Um, uh, so I, I have, uh, there's, t- there's, you know, tabs in the, in your, like the RPG piece of it, you know, where your stats are and the, st- and your items and all that, that like, I can see, I'm not going to get to for another 10 hours. Yeah. Um, um, so, I, um, you know, I, I, I am, I am alternatively enjoying and hating the game. The one thing that's sort of odd about the game is that fo- is, you know, something that we've talked about before relative to video games, Brent, which I think is almost antithetical to game enjoyment. And that is repetition. And one of the fundamental, I mean, the fund at the core of this game, it is built on repetition. And I just don't know if that's a good thing or not. Mm -hmm. Difficulty is one thing. Uh, Repetition. I mean, you go back and all the enemies are in the same place so far anyway. Um, And it's, you know, eventually what took you, took you an hour the first time takes you 35 minutes after the 10th time and takes you 10 minutes after the 30th time. But again, to me, that seems, that seems like that could be a very intentional choice. I mean, again, think back to, you know, classic gaming, Mega Man. It's a very intentional choice. You know, learning the, learning the patterns, learning the, the, the patterns of like, you know, where enemies show up and things like that. That's a, that's a pretty core element of, of classic, you know, gaming difficulty and it seems to me that 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 would be the one maybe kind of mitigating factor in okay yeah you died you lost an hour worth of gameplay you got to start all over here but you know where everybody's going to be now you know the you know the places where you need to avoid the places where you can get through quick and so it, it, it seems to me that 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 could be kind of a balancing factor in 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 the other things that make the game really difficult i mean if if it was really difficult on top of everything randomizes and changes up every time you die. So you're going back in and you have no idea where things are. I mean, would you be just as frustrated by, by how seemingly more difficult that would be? Uh, I, I don't know. I would have to play it to be honest with you because, yeah. and I say that only, only in the context of if you asked me about bloodborne or demon souls or dark souls, mm. uh, it, it, it is not a game. It's just it's unlike any other games I've ever played. All those three games, and so I could talk about them thinking I knew, but but I wouldn't until I played it. Um, so I don't. I don't uh, that's been my experience with Bloodborne. Right. I mean, I've wanted to throw my controller across the room, and I have uh, felt really great accomplishment. And I think that's the nature of that game. Uh, and and I, I can't tell you yet if I like it or not. I almost sold it. <laughs> and and I'm dying to play it as soon as we get done recording. That is quite a dichotomy. Yes. All right. So I will report to you more over the coming weeks and see how it changes uh, next week. I'll be I'll be I am interested to see how it changes for me. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about it. Anyway, uh, moving on to Shadow of Mordor. Um, I have I've finally kind of between the time when Z goes to bed and when she gets up kind of leveling off a little bit and me just sort of carving out some time in there to play some games while she's asleep. 
I've managed to uh, I've managed to do pretty well this past week, and I'm hoping this is going to be a continuing trend moving forward. And uh, I used the time that I had to go ahead and finish off Shadow of Mordor, which I've been threatening to do for a long time now. But I'm done. I, I finally finished. Well, I say I'm done. I'm finished with the story. I have completed the main story missions in the game. I hardly have touched any of the side content because I just I felt like I needed to stay focused on the main story or I wasn't going to get through it. Uh, and, and you yes. having played the game, you'd know how much side content there is, how much uh, there's there's side quests and there's all kinds of challenges and things like that. And you can you can dive into that rabbit hole and not come out. Absolutely. So anyway, I finished the main game. I, I talked about last week how I, I was kind of re-energized, having gotten over that that kind of mid-game hump uh, and gotten into uh, the second major area of the game, the second map area and the mechanics of that area involve having to brand. Well, I was going to say brand war chieftains, but really you're, you're branding Uruk captains and then, you know, manipulating things to get them to become war chiefs. That part of the game is by far my favorite. And I wish that I wish that there had been a bit more of that in the first section of the game, because, you know, you were just talking about repetition and, the first part of the game got really, really repetitive to me and, and actually led me, to, led me to put it down for a little while. But um, that, that section was so satisfying. And, you know, I was just, I mean, I was really, really kicking ass all through that. And, you know, every Uruk captain, I, every Uruk I would come across, you know, I, I, would, I would brand. Like, I basically stopped killing. I just started branding everybody. I came across and it, it's interesting how it changed combat, but also the, the mechanics of, uh, of, of just dealing with Uruk captains fighting each other, being promoted, you know, all of the, all of those things are going on in the nemesis system. It just changed the entire game for me. And I loved, I absolutely loved all of the kind of the strategy and machinations between, all right, so I'm going to, I've turned this orc captain, I've got this guy now, and I'm going to set him to, I'm going to set him to, to murder a couple of these lower tier captains that aren't as strong as he is, and that's going to make him a little bit stronger. And then I'm going to send him after, okay, so I've got this war chief, he's got three bodyguards. Um, I'm going to turn one of these bodyguards, and then the other two, I'm going to sick this this other orc captain that I've been kind of leveling up. I'm going to sick him on those other two, and we're just going to kill them. All of the things that were that 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 it unlocked in the way of strategy, I was just eating up. I absolutely loved it, and it just really cemented why the Nemesis system is for me. I think it's one of the I think it's one of the the most important game mechanic developments that that I've seen maybe in a console generation. I mean, it's really, really innovative and super fun. Having said it, all that, yes. once I got all five of those War Chiefs branded, once, once I've got my Orc army basically built up and you're ready to move into the in-game com, uh, content, I found, I found it really anticlimactic. It felt like it was just building and building and building and building up to... What really didn't amount to much. You've got a skirmish with some other orcs. You've got kind of a pre-boss fight, boss fight, another skirmish with some orcs, and then you're at the end boss fight, and the end boss fight was over in minutes. And it really wasn't difficult. 
Yes. And I found that really disappointing. I understand in terms of the game engine and everything that they really probably can't, like you can't do 300 orcs on the battlefield all at the same time. And you just, you know, working your way through them as I would love to see happen. I understand that there's just limitations on what the hardware can accomplish. And that's not realistic. So the scale has to be, uh, you know, the scale has to be reduced and and that's fine. I, I can deal with that, but it just felt like, it just felt like the like the boss fight. I mean, the boss fights were just way, way too easy for my taste. There was just nothing to them, and I wanted a challenge. You know, I want. I mean, going after like honestly, like probably the hardest stuff in the game is going after orc captains in strongholds when you first start out. That, that, that so before you really have like a lot of right. upgraded abilities and things that you can rely on, and before you've really figured out how you can how you can use other orc captains and things like that to your advantage. I mean, before then, like taking out orcs and strongholds, that's that that's stressful stuff. And I wanted that. Like I wanted it to, I wanted it to feel like I wanted to feel like, yeah, I'm a lot better, but the stakes are higher too. And I just, I wanted more of a challenge than I got. And so I was ultimately disappointed by that aspect of it. But up until then, I, I was really, I was just relishing in everything I was doing. Yeah, that's interesting because I didn't, you know, the challenge piece of it didn't bother me because I really, I enjoyed fighting so much that I frequently found myself just, I mean, I thought the mechanic was so well done that I frequently found myself just roaming, looking for fights. Yeah. Um, and so I wasn't like, I, I didn't really have any buy into the story. Uh, and I think, you know, how, how, I mean, I think, you know, how I feel in general about boss fights. And so I certainly wasn't looking for, uh, you know, for more, um, you know, more boss fights. I I thought it was quite well balanced, actually. Well, but I understand. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and, and I agree with you in, in this, like in terms of the story. Um, there there's nothing here that's that, that that's terribly remarkable in terms of storytelling. It's pretty straightforward. There's a couple of kind of surprise things that happened that didn't really change all that much for me or, or really get me all that excited. So I just I kind of felt the story was so so. Uh, it wasn't bad. It was just. It was just mediocre, I guess. Um, but uh, but that's fine. No problem with that. But just to give you an example of what I'm talking about, the, the mini-boss fight, I'm going to go into a little bit of spoilers here, just so you know. So if you haven't played the game, maybe you want to skip ahead a couple minutes. But the, the boss fight with the tower, uh, which is the, the, first, the first thing that kind of, the first boss fight that you kind of have prior to, you know, the actual end game boss fight. But the uh, the boss fight with the tower, you're in an empty stronghold, and the guy is just like warping around, and you're just sneaking along, coming up behind him and and branding him from you know doing a stealth brand. I mean, it's just there's nothing, there's nothing to it, there's nothing to it. And to me, it would have been much more interesting if that stronghold had been filled with orcs. Like, let's say, you know, like they, they have their main force outside and they're fighting your orc war chiefs, but they've closed the gates. And so there's still a contingent inside. And so he is, he's warping around. He'll disappear from this place and reappear somewhere over here. But the, but the gag to that is, okay, so now he like, he's in this place. So you go in, you use all the tricks that you know to drive the orcs out of that area. You drop a nest of Morgul flies. You let loose some Karagors. You blow up some barrels, whatever. You, you drive some of the orcs out of that area so it's not so heavily 
uh, populated, and then you go in and you stealth brand them. Okay, now he warps to a new area where there are orcs. So now you got to go in and you have to you have to kind of get the orcs out of the area and everything, and it at least builds upon the established game mechanics and make it and make it more of a challenge than it was. I mean, that was nothing. It's just you know like oh, uh, I stealth branded him and now he disappears. He's over here now. Climb up this wall, creep across this rope, drop down, stealth brand him again. Okay, let's do that five more times. You know, it was just it was almost laughable. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't, dis- I don't disagree with that assessment. It just it didn't bother me with what I was looking for from the game. Mm-hmm. To me, for me, it kept the game moving, uh, w- which is sort of what I wanted yeah. a little bit. I wanted you know it to I mean? be over. But no, 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 no. I just, I just, I, I appreciate, saying. I appreciate games that don't come just one of the, what come to screeching halt. I find that to be, I find that to be um, uh, um, not conducive to that sens- sensation of forward motion. Personally, well, I, uh, but I, but I totally get where you're coming from. Yes, Brent, and, and I understand and I, that that point you're making. I mean, I've certainly experienced what you're talking about in other games. That just wasn't. It just didn't have to be my experience here. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I and I understand that, but it, but it still is. It's it's a great game. It's tons of yes, fun to play. It is. Um, I think and, that actually uh, just playing it now, like through, like you know, kind of like an after game content, just going through the world and doing side missions and things like that would actually be really, really fun because that's the that that meat and potatoes part of the game is what really I, I remember most fondly. Right. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you actually finished it. Uh, finished a game and finished it. Yeah, me too. Um, I think it's the curious. first thing I've finished since God, man. Ether one, stick of truth. I can't remember which of those came yeah. came last. Well, that 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 will change come June time, assuming Batman actually comes out. Yes. So, yeah. um, next up on my list, Brent, in stark contrast to Bloodborne, yep. um, which, which, as I told you, I've had a love hate relationship with, maybe a little more hate than love, um, is a is a, a game, a little game I like to call Titanfall. Yeah, I was um, I was surprised that I was surprised this was on the list. I was surprised to see you coming back to this. Yeah, it's three weeks in a row. I've surprised you. Um, so the, I actually Titanfall is a game that came out in March of 2014, which actually surprised me because I thought it was a lot more than a year ago. Um, when I was in Brazil, um, I, I bought the game. I, I really enjoyed it, but I struggled to play it because my ping was so high from Brazil, uh, and all the people I was playing with was in the United States, and the time differences. So I, I wasn't the only reason I stopped playing it was because of that. I had tons of fun with this game, um, and recently um, uh, EA made the uh, made the expansion pack the all the expansion packs available for free. Right. Um, and so I had downloaded them and, uh, I decided to, now that I'm back in the United States and I've got a, a good, reliable, high speed, uh, connection back up and that, and I, my pings are, you know, closer to those that I play with. Uh, I decided to, to give it another shot. And man, let me tell you this it, Titanfall is a brilliant game. It is a supremely well-designed, brilliant game. that is just tons and tons of fun ear to ear grins the whole time I was playing. Um, Regardless of the fact that I was finishing at the bottom in every game, <laughs> uh, I, I still, which tells you something about the game. It's just the parkour is so well done. Switching between being a pilot, just being on foot and being in a Titan. Um, it's just, it, it is a really, really well done multiplayer game. And I am so glad to be playing it again. I just had, where Bloodborne was like, just this constant sort of fuck you to the game to get through it. Uh, Titanfall could not have been more opposite. It was just sheer and pure 
video gaming joy, just fun, having fun. And uh, uh, I just, it's so well done. And I'm really, really glad that they're doing Titanfall 2, which they announced recently. Um, I, I hope that they. Uh, I can't wait to see what the improvements are. I hope one of them is to allow people on the PC to build their own servers because I really would like to play more than just attrition, which is what everybody seems to be playing, mm-hmm. which is essentially just team deathmatch. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's just, just tons of fun, Brent. Titanfall is tons of fun, and I intend to continue to play more. The weapons feel great. Everything feels great about that game. I really, really enjoy it. I believe you. And I believe you because having played Titanfall in the beta, I had a pretty good time with it, too. Uh, I, I thought it was really fun. It wasn't anything that I felt compelled enough to invest in just because I didn't I didn't have any illusions about having the time to actually play with friends or anything. But I also really, really enjoyed playing it and thought that it was uh, just the, the, the pacing and the mechanics and everything were so well-tuned for having fun uh, that uh, it would be an easy game to get into. I th- I'm curious to see how... You know, because they've announced that the sequel is going to be multi-platform, as we all, I think, anticipated it would be. So uh, I'm pretty interested to see how that goes over when uh, when people over in the uh, in the PlayStation camp can get their hands on it too. I, I imagine it's going to. I imagine it's going to go over quite well. I would imagine so, and certainly it will. You know, obviously it will do well for their sales. I, I'm sure. Sure, I'm, I'm sure they're not going to be. Uh, I'm sure they're not going to be hurting. Yeah, so if you haven't played Titanfall yet, goes. I think you can pick it. Up, you can pick it up for like twenty bucks now or something. Yeah. Uh, I, I highly encourage you to do so. All right. Um, yeah. Now, what's this, Brent? What's this? Uh, the last game on the docket is is I, you know I was playing Titanfall or something else recently, right. and my little Steam overlay popped up. Brent Adams is now playing Skyrim, <laughs> uh, to which I I, I t- was like, what? Does not compute. No, something must be wrong here. You know how. You know how sometimes you'll you'll watch something or play something and you get to the end and you're not quite ready to to be done with it or sometimes it, it'll just like naturally lead you into something else like as an example anytime I watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid which is on TV you know fairly frequently yes. uh, a few times a year Anyth- As it should be. Yes. Anytime, but anytime I watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, I inevitably have to go and watch all the President's Men after I've seen Butch Cassidy. And then right. after I've seen all the President's Men, I want to go and watch Sneakers. Okay. And it's kind of like that, I guess. I got, I got finished with Shadow of Mordor. And something about the, the fantasy aspects and everything, and the fact that I, I didn't particularly care about the story or whatever, um, but something about just the fantasy setting and the fantasy aspects of it, it I was playing the game and kind of thinking to myself, you know, it'd be you know kind of cool as you know, if you could upgrade your armor and you know maybe like you know because some of the orc armor that they have in the game is kind of cool looking, and um, I was like, oh, you know, be interesting if you could you know take weapons off guys and you know maybe use like an axe instead of a sword, you know, just thinking about those kinds of things, and so I, I finished the game and I was like, you know, I. I kind of would like to have a little bit of a game experience like this, but that was just focused on some different things. And I got to thinking about Skyrim and I'd been talking about Skyrim recently with a friend of mine who was you know, telling me about what they're doing with the mods on Skyrim. And, you know, they've got, I don't know, you know, like four dozen mods installed for the game and all the different things that have happened with it. Uh, since Bethesda has kind of, re- I guess, released their final patch for it and, all that kind of thing. And I was like, you know what? I always wanted to check out 
I always wanted to check out Skyrim on PC with mods. I own it on PC. Never really played it all that much on PC. And so I thought, you know what? I'll just start noodling around with this. And so I, I, I re-downloaded Skyrim and installed it. And I've just been I've just been basically dicking around with mods. I haven't really played the game all that much, but I've just been <laughs> installing a bunch of different stuff, you know, for uh, you know, for like you know, to change like weather, to you know, do things with the lighting, uh, uh, enhancements to the flora. Uh, one of the really cool ones is uh, this one called I, I think it's called Pure Waters. That um, and then there's like a companion one for like Pure Waterfalls. But anyway, they're just like an enhancement to. Uh, the way that water looks in the game, the way waterfalls and things like that look in the game. And uh, you know, like some of the stuff, may, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing how much of a qualitative difference it, uh, it can make. And of course, you know, now I've, you know, I've got the, like the high, the high res texture pack DLC and everything that Bethesda put out. But yeah, I've just been, yep. I, I've been like over, like on the Nexus mods uh, site, just going through and getting stuff. And, you know, people are sending me lists like, Oh, here's the mods that I use. And, uh, so, you know, like I, I've got a couple of lists from friends of, of all the mods that they use and a couple from listeners and I'm just, you know, going through and just kind of trying stuff out. And I thought, you know, what I really want to move on to right now is alien isolation. Like that's the next thing on my backlog that I really want to tick off. But I think that Skyrim is going to be kind of like my hobby game that I'm just going to be playing. I'm just going to be playing here and there on a regular basis for the next year, you know? Right. install a bunch of mods, get things kind of tweaked the way I want, and then just, you know, go through and just play the game in, in fits and spurts and see see where it kind of leads me. <laughs> Talk about a rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, but that's the thing, like, I know it's a rabbit hole. Like, I know it's a rabbit hole, and I know that if I start playing that game and decide, okay, I want to finish the main story quest, like, to me, like, that's almost impossible. Like, it seems almost impossible to do that. And so, like, I feel like my strategy has to be, I'll nibble. I'll nibble around the edges until I'm at the center. But I won't I won't have any kind of ambition about doing it quickly. That's what everybody says about the first time they use crack. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just kidding. I mean at, le- at least that's what I said. Yeah. So anyway, uh, <laughs> all right, that's dude, it. with uh, w- uh some good games, some big games this week. And with that, I think uh I think it is time to call it a show and turn it over to our listeners. Uh, as usual, of course, we want to hear what you guys think about everything uh, that we talked about this week, whether it was Skyrim or Titanfall, Shadow of Mordor, or Bloodborne. I know our, our activity feed has just been inundated with Bloodborne posts, yeah. and so I'm sure people will have uh, some comments about that, and I would love to hear them. Uh, likewise, what we talked about up in the clubhouse, calling the cops on your kids, on parent people's kids <laughs> for playing Call of Duty, and uh, uh, what we talked about in the garage, uh, Steven Spielbergo to direct Ready Player One, also the announcement of Ernie Klein's newest book coming July 14th, Armada, as well as the PlayStation 4 update that brings the suspend resume function, Halo 5 Guardians, Wolfenstein's new DLC, and the seven and a half minutes of absolutely stunningly gorgeous, super exciting, and very titillating gameplay from Batman Arkham Knight. As usual, he is Brent Adams, I am Lauren Baumgarten, and remember guys, you don't stop playing because you get old, you get old because you stop playing. 